I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sans Pants Radio, that's the wrong end. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some TV shows just need to be talked about. Today, we're discussing Game of Thrones. So we're, uh, just for a bit of context, we're recording this mere minutes after finishing the mm. season six finale. So it's it's quite fresh. And mm. um, yeah, season six. Yeah, I mean. Was it, was it, this is my question. All right. Was it the best season or the worst season? Because mm. I could honestly make a compelling argument for either at this point. I would it's, say neither. For me it was personally. better than season five, which I would say is the worst. Yeah. Mm. Best it, one might've been one or two. I, I'm wondering if it's just because, I mean, look, I- I, I hate straying into this territory, but I kind of feel like we have to. Um, being a book reader, yeah, like yeah. I think I got a lot out of this season because it felt like, you know, I've been waiting five fucking years for answers to yeah, a lot yeah, of questions yeah. and finally getting those answers, even if it wasn't necessarily, you know, in the ideal way I would have preferred, which would be to read them. Yeah. Like I think that that gave the season a lot of mileage for me. Um, there are a lot of moments like, like, you know, for example, like Daenerys burning the cows and stuff. I was like, I can't tell if this is awesome or awful. I like, it did not like it. A, so lot, a lot but... of that stuff, a lot of the, the character moments I felt in this season felt like somebody had heard about the characters on Game of Thrones, but never watched an episode and never read a book. And yeah. somebody had basically described the character to them and they were like, well, I'll do my best they to were... write that. Yeah. yeah they, they were like, oh, Cersei felt... brings down. And you're like, I guess we'll do that in one episode. We'll give her like... Something to topple. It's definitely rushed. Like it's it's um and look, this isn't like I was just sort of skim reading an A V Club review mm. when we finished, and it was kind of addressing the fact that, you know, suddenly we're in a season where not only like we all know so, sort of the geography's gotten really weird where characters seem oh. to be able to zip from one oh, side of the map to another around. in in minutes. Yeah. Whereas people always used to joke about Littlefinger being able to teleport. Now everyone around. can do it. Fuck. Yeah. He has got nothing on Varys. Like it took Arya an episode to get from Bravos to, to the twins. It mm. took Varys an episode to get from uh, it took Marine like a scene to Westeros change. back to Marine. Yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. And then like I don't I don't know. It kind of feels like we're we're missing a lot of crucial moments. Like you know, for example, we don't see Olena Terrell's reaction to like losing her whole family and mm. things like that. It just feels like a lot of things. It it almost feels like we're just because there's so much plot and there's so many characters to juggle. It feels like the show is completely written off. And, and I think this kind of makes it weird because when there are moments of filler. All the stuff with like Tyrion joking with Grey Worm and Missandei, yeah, yeah. they feel really like 
really odd and mm, sort very of like, it's, like, it's very weirdly paced it's like it's just it feels almost, like the show is yeah. made up completely of moments right now mm. and so it's like on the one hand it's like oh sweet this and i guess it's the sixth season it's coming into a, it's coming up to a climax it's yeah like, I, I guess it's all payoff and i guess from that angle i found the season really satisfying because pretty much every episode had some kind of game changer but on the other hand it did feel very it felt like a lot of those moments lost their impact because we were getting like, I mean, that finale. I mean, how many how many big game changing moments did we have? We had Daenerys going mm. to Westeros. Yeah, we had Arya killing Walter Frey. Mm-hmm. We had Cersei blowing up the fucking Sept. Boom. We had oh man, what else? Like off the top of my head, like John being crowned king in the North. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frey pie. Well, we Frey, that. Well, Frey, yeah. Frey, yeah, two well, yeah. at once. I feel like two seasons ago, any of these would have made the episode like the most talked about thing ever. That's true, mm. but now... And now we're so used to getting... Mm. But they just stuff it all in at the episode. end. Yeah. And just a collection Which takes of the impact really... away a bit. That's, the, that's yeah. my issue. I think, like, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, when, when Cersei brought the Sept, I was watching yeah. it thinking... Okay, like it was exciting to watch. It was and it was beautifully shot and so mm. well put together. That yeah. music, like those yeah. those was, strings and the tension building and everything, was fantastic. Probably one of the most well directed, well put together Game of Thrones scenes in a very long time. So, yeah. Probably since like even the Red Wedding. But even so, like as I was kind of watching it, when it happened, I was like, okay, fuck. So all these crucial characters just died, just gone. It's and like I don't you got their really... stories and just kind of like, oh, and we're just pinching them off. I didn't there, really like... feel much. Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. care. I didn't care yeah. at all. And that's after a season of. Hey, Cersei, your trial's coming up soon. Yeah, I know. And I think that's that's a very good point because something that I felt throughout this whole season is like there has been so much just, especially for fucking Daenerys, just doing nothing. Just like Daenerys just standing there and then you cut to Daenerys and she has like some airy conversation with a person about the slaves. And and for some reason that made that all of like the scenes with Daenerys that felt like they should be amazing feel so like, like she... Like the fucking so when she went and burnt all of the slave ships on her dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just didn't care. I was just like, oh, and Daenerys is on a dragon, and she got him. Well, the thing is, because you've seen it before, her entire story this season is just a recap of what she's been doing the past five seasons. Like the first four episodes uh, is her season one arc, like nearly verbatim. Yeah, and. To the point where when she burnt the cars and like came out and everyone bowed and it was just like this is this is the end of season the one same as the end of season yeah. one right it's really like I, I don't and then she goes and retakes Marine with her dragons like, which she did exactly it's, and then there's like all these little weird bits and pieces like like for example um again sorry this is not actually I, I wish I could take credit for making this point but it's actually just saw this in the review it was sort of pointing out the fact that things like you know a couple of seasons ago Daenerys is ruling in Marine was so fraught because it was like, well, you know, here's somebody with a very different idea of Mm. what the world should be coming in trying to impose her will. And it feels like we've dropped any pretense of exploring those issues. Mm. It just kind of feels like, oh, yeah, so I I guess there was like this, Tyrion was like, oh, we're going to have like seven years to, like, you know, give you seven years to get rid of slavery. And then the master's like, nah, fuck that. And they come back. And then, so so where does it stand now? I mean, not that I care that much about Marine because I think Dario's Dario's fuck Marine announcement was pretty much how the entire audience has felt. Yeah. But even so, it was just kind of like, well, it's it's well, that kind of thing where you're gonna be wondering that for a while because we'll never see Marine again. Hey, Good. That's true. Yeah. Fine. But it's that kind of thing with like, da- like I hate Daenerys now. I can't stand her as a character. I'm so bored by yeah, everything she's she dull. does. She's really she's dull. she's so dull. But Daenerys was my favorite character for like the first four seasons because every time Daenerys achieved something, like it was hard. Like yeah, it felt she earned. ate that bull's heart, that's, and you're like nothing mm. felt earned yeah. this season. 
This season like, it was like it's it's like she had the dragon. She goes, she burns them. You you weren't even like yeah, well, you weren't even like what's she gonna do? You were like when will well, she get when on the will she I win? Can burn yeah, them. she stopped being the underdog. Yeah, but she's not even the overdog. She just like she's just a dog. She's just a dog. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this, this is a weird thing. This is like why I'm so I'm so weirdly ambivalent towards this season because on the one hand, I kind of feel like okay, like the Battle of the Bastards, for example, mm. there was really no build up. Like they spent like John and Sansa spent the season like going around and sort of interviewing. Not, well, it, it felt going like around that. and like you know mm. trying to rally support, but there was no sense of tension. There was no sense of rising stakes. There was no sense of anything. It was a couple of scenes of them being mm. like, oh, we're going to rally some troops, and suddenly, oh yeah, now we're fighting. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they won, and the battle was grueling, and it was a great... As, as a standalone episode, it was fantastic. I, yeah. I thought, mm. personally, I know you disagree, disagree Jackson, but, but like... Yeah. Two against one, Jackson loses. I lose. Yeah, it was enough. great. Um, now you have to, you have to accept <laughs> there it that. Is. Because I that's, lost. That's, that's fair. the democracy we live in. <laughs> but like, but as a, as a moment, it was like, yeah, okay. Like, I, I didn't really feel like the characters had kind of like waded through, you know, a ton of mud and shit like they would have used to have to mm. to get to achieve a victory like that. Same as the Nerys booing the Carls. That felt so easy. Everything felt like it came really easily. Now, the counter argument to this mm-hmm. is, well, it's season six and we've watched these characters be miserable for so long mm. that it... I understand having a series of payoffs and climaxes because it's at that point in the story. But at the same time, ultimately, I think a story, a judge, the judge of how a story is working, or if a story is working, is how you feel in the moment. Mm. And if these moments are happening and I'm not feeling a hell of a lot, yeah. then I don't think the story is really doing its job properly. Well, for me, all right, so like um, those early seasons of Game of Thrones, you were on tender hooks and the edge of your seat the whole time because yeah, absolutely. you're like, any character can die at any second. Nothing is guaranteed and nothing is for sure. I don't know what the fuck is going like, on. I'd never read the book, so I was even more in the dark. A character like rises here and you're like, well, that character went, oh, they're dead. You know, and yeah. like, oh, this character's living. Oh, shit, that terrible thing is just happening to them. And when you expected payoff, you didn't get any payoff. And that made you like sort of sympathize with the characters or like, I guess, connect with them a little more because it felt so real. Absolutely. And it, it had like Absolutely. This, mm-hmm. this depth to it where you were like, these are people struggling in a fucked world and they're like struggling to survive. So like minor victories, like uh, uh, Daenerys eating a bull heart. And like that was grueling and awful, and she kept it down, and you were like, "Fuck yes, she did it!" And it was like a hideous victory, but a victory, absolutely. And Mm. when when those victories have none of that, like, well, like we know Daenerys isn't just going to get shot in the head now. We know, like, Cersei isn't going to get pushed off a building. There's a perfect example of that when Arya got stabbed Mm. a couple episodes back. No one I know, and hopefully no one listening to this was at all worried about Arya. Yeah, no one was like, "Oh my god, Arya's going to die." And all the people, and then died. she was fine, and, and it was, was and, really and she dumb. Was, she was really fine. Yeah, like she got stabbed several times God in the damn. stomach. Well, I, I hated that so much. I hated that so much. Oh no, much. yeah, that's right. No, and I was thinking fuck. about the second time she got attacked because I read a theory about like how all of that was planned, like from the moment they that the the, the the wave attacked her to the mm. moment like she led her to where Needle yeah. was. Like when she rolled through the fruit, it was like she was covering herself in like red fruit, so she looked like she was bleeding more and more injured, and a whole bunch of stuff like that. Like she. Trained in the dark, so yeah. But like, she did get fully knifed, like, several times. Oh, yeah, like, Super milk knife. of the like, poppy does not just sort no, of... No, it does not. That doesn't but, do anything. Maybe this is kind of the issue sort of coming as a Game of Thrones home stretch, is the fact that, all right, like, let, let's think, like, what what made this sh- What made the name of this show, like, what, what made this show so successful? I think, personally, it's the fact that it was so subversive. It took fantasy mm. tropes that we thought yeah. we knew and understood and turned them on their heads. The main character gets killed off at the end of the first yeah. season. It's a fan... You know, I, I feel like most people coming into Game of Thrones who aren't maybe big fantasy buffs, their understanding of, of fantasy would have come from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this is more or less the world of Lord of the Rings, except it is gritty and mm. grueling and shit and magic, 
magic takes a cost. Yeah. And yeah. when magic does happen, it's, it's kind of it's, ugly and fucked up. It's and, not like... And weird and yeah. it's not good. And I mean, the other thing is like on, on that note, Jon Snow coming back to life just... Happened. Just was, yeah. What were the consequences? How does he deal with it? How does... It no, just, like, he's just back and he's exactly the same. Yeah. You know, the whole thing that was established with Beric Dondarrion back in season two or three mm. was the fact that when he died, it took part of him mm. away. The Something else I think we'll get into, the whole Lady Stoneheart thing, you know, mm. Catelyn, undead. For those who listening who haven't Read the books. Read the books because mm. they're better than the show. But, Spoilers, um, by the way. But like I the whole thing is that it's too late for that. <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing is that at the end of the third book, Catelyn Stark is resurrected by Beric Dondarrion, who mm. finds her body in the river floating away after the Red Wedding, gives up his life to bring her back to life, and she comes back to life. But she's not Catelyn. She is horrible and violent, and her, the only thing she wants is to go around and murder Freys and Boltons. Wow. And like you know, her skin is like rotting and falling off. Her hair's all fallen out. Her, she, her throat is cut, so she can't talk unless she holds her throat. That's and when she does cool. talk, it's like this guttural sound. And the only thing she cares about is taking revenge. Yeah, yeah. And that's the kind of that's that's kind of what I mean when I talk about subversiveness. That's kind of what I mean when you say you take the tropes of fantasy, one of which is resurrection of heroes, mm. and it's actually fucked. Yeah, like yeah. it's like, like and here are the consequences of actually doing that. Basically See, that they're was a different good thing horrible about, person. Uh, Game of but, Thrones, it was a fantasy show without heroes. Exactly. Yeah. So now here's the thing. Now we're coming into the home stretch. How does a TV show built on a bedrock of subversiveness come to a satisfying conclusion. Because if you just keep subverting tropes and you keep killing unexpected people and you keep, t- you know, mm. turning right when people expect you to turn left, coming to the end of this story, you're actually not going to have a very satisfying ending. No, there won't be just be, be like, okay, because, you know, if we come into the next season and, you know, more Starks just violently die and the White Walkers come and overtake mm. Westeros and everything's miserable and shit, you sit there and you think, why did I just watch this? Yeah. Like, what? what is it? I mean, a story kind of makes, uh, to me, a story tends to make its point at the end. And that's when you realize what the point of everything that you just went through was. And unless Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones actually kind of to be a satisfying story and to make it all worthwhile, it actually has to come to a reasonably neat ending. Mm. I mean, isn't I mean, it the George journey? George can surprise us. Isn't but- it the journey, not the destination? Well, I mean, if if the series ends with King's Landing in ashes and the White Walkers overtaking everything and everyone's dead, then. Mm. I'll honestly just sit there and think, okay. But then like, it's like it's like one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if if the series ends with like Jon Snow is the king of the world and he's ruling with Daenerys pretty fairly, like hey, and they're developing Westeros democracy. It almost seems too neat, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you'll feel like, cheated. That nonsense. Look, that's not how it works. Yeah, but but you know, Tom, you're right when you say it's the journey because I mean, the fact is, it's not an insurmountable problem. It's it's an it's definitely an issue mm. because how do you keep surprising people and bring it to a satisfying fitting conclusion i don't don't think it's insurmountable i think there's probably a way to do it and a way to do it well i think maybe one of the issues with this season is the fact that because they've gone off book and because even though they're broad strokes we're sort of going to be seeing things play out to george r R. martin's plan but like very broad strokes um they no longer have like the sort of rock solid foundation of Martin's text. And yeah. so you can like, and Martin's I don't know, it good was, at, it's so noticeable. Yeah. yeah like when, isn't it just, when the oh, show really fuck. went downhill was season five, which is the but, last one. And that's when they started that's getting they started further really and further deep, yeah. away from that bedrock. But then of the here's books. the really tricky thing. I mean, for those who read the books, like books, books four and five are oh. dull slogs mm. and they are full of like subplots that go nowhere. And they're full of like, weird focus on characters we don't really care about oh, and they're, yeah. they're oddly divided so the two books take place at the same time but they're divided by location rather than chrono- chronology oh. so for example in the fourth book you follow the Greyjoys and you follow Cersei and you follow Jaime and you follow Brienne yeah, yeah. and then the fifth book you follow Jon Snow and Tyrion and Daenerys and those characters yeah. so the events are playing out at the same time but 
separate. separately. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's kind of nice because you'll hear about you'll hear about stuff happening over there, and then the next book you'll get to see yeah, what it, that is. And it's right. not in exactly some ways it works, but in a expect. lot of ways it's kind of frustrating. Mm. And there's a lot of like focus on like the politics of the Iron Islands, which just I know you're a fan of the Iron Islands, Jack. Oh, but, like, but I'm sure I wouldn't care about the politics. Oh, it's just it goes on for ages. Was, I just like really they really was a squid and drown their kings. That's great. It was better than than what was in the show, which was five minute scene of. I will be your king. Yeah, we like Yara. And then it's. Oh no! I will be your king. Okay, we're on yeah. this guy's team. Two speeches. That's all I need. Argument. Coming back to what Jack said about damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think the same principle can be applied to you know the, the adaptation of the books in this case because books four and five, Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons, would be absolute fucking nightmares to adapt because of the way they're done. Mm. And I I get why the show made a lot of the changes that it made. The problem is that I think suddenly it is becoming clear, if it wasn't clear already, that obviously the real creative mind and the real genius mm. behind this show was always George R. R. Martin, yeah. not Benioff and Weiss. Mm. And now that it's all in their hands, yeah, it's it's working and it's serviceable and it's got a lot of good moments. And I think there's there's too much money and too much passion and effort going into the show for it to ever be truly bad. But but you can tell there is a noticeable decline in the yeah. quality of the first couple of seasons. Yeah, like they're playing to favourites. Absolutely. You get, you get a lot of scenes with Danny, you get a yeah. lot of scenes with Arya. Neither of their stories were remotely interesting or went anywhere. I mean, we would get so much time for them this season mm. where you guys, you could have taken away some of that time, put it into the Iron well, Islands, mm. put it into Dawn and maybe not fucked Dawn over oh, Who totally. knows what? I, I don't like... What the fuck, Dawn? Like they just yeah, like we get it, one scene where the sand vipers, sand snakes, sand yeah. snakes, and queen Sandy sand lady. snake kill the other people, and you're like, what? Huh? And then in the next one, it's like, and where are you? You're like, which is huh, such Potter? a massive and disappointing departure from the books because mm. it's so like you. He his uh, prince Doran, who's the prince of who was mm. the prince of Dawn in the show has been plotting his revenge against the Lannisters for decades and it's all coming to a head and it's and he's been playing the long game and it's and fucking it's, it's beautiful. It's one of the best reveals because like you you get introduced to Doran Martell thinking yeah. that he's this really impotent character mm. and the Sand Snakes are in it but they're sort of very minor characters and Oberyn Martell's lover is just not there yeah. and the the sort of our point of view in Dawn is Arian Martell who's Doran's eldest daughter and Arian has this really elaborate plan where basically she like seduces the Kingsguard who's protecting Marcella in Dawn to get close to Marcella and pull him into this plot that she has to crown Marcella because okay. by Dornish law women can become the head leader yeah, yeah. and so he, her plan is to crown Marcella and by doing that sort of you know create their own monarchy down in Dawn and say fuck you to the Lannisters from there and it all goes horribly wrong mm, because so Doran brilliant. tries to stop it and then it turns into a bloodbath and a whole bunch of people die violently and that's when Doran kind of and because you know Arian's whole motivation is well you know, Oberyn Martell died yeah. and you're doing nothing. Well, this is how we're going to take our revenge. And then Doran's like, actually, I've been planning this for years. And it turns out that Doran has funded the raising of a secret Targaryen across oh, the Narrow Sea, yeah. who is the son of Rhaegar Targaryen, who Gregor Clegane allegedly killed, yeah, who yeah. was spirited away during the sacking of King's Landing and has been risen and like trained and worked the lands and worked with the peasants and basically has been built to be a king this whole time yeah, across yeah. the Narrow Sea. Fuck. And Doran's like got this whole epic plan, and he's one of those characters where it's like, oh, I thought you were one thing, yeah. but you're actually not at all. Man, just wow, like with um, Mandalay, which also doesn't happen in the show, though I, he was in the episode. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's nice to see you. You're not, you're it's not like, doing. Oh, that's, that's you don't have Mandalay. a great northern conspiracy, like, and you're not feeding people. 
again, people, you're so, you know, so yeah, why, why Manderley, who was the one who was like, oh, I didn't come when I should have in yeah. in the books. This this is one of the cool benefits of like the the geography split in the fourth and fifth mm. book is it in the fourth book there's a bit where stannis is like oh i sent davos to treat with wyman mandley and wyman mandley killed him and mounted his head on the on the walls of his yeah, of white yeah. harbor and you're like oh fuck davos just died off screen what the fuck then the next book you find out what actually happened which is that davos gets there wyman mandley has two uh, he has three fray wards yeah like yeah. three of the frays that like he has been given after red wedding who he has to like raise under pain of death by walter Frey. but his son was killed at the red wedding yeah. and so basically Wyman Manly has no love for the phrase and yeah. he's just like this big fat jolly man who apparently gives no does not give a fuck about anything he's a bit of a moron yeah. and he kind of takes Davos to the dungeons and prepares to kill him and then goes to see Davos and says I'm actually not going to kill you he goes I'm going to send you to go find Rickon I'm going to pretend you're dead and I've got my own plan. So Davos gets sent to find Rickon. The next time you see Wyman Manderley he turns up at Ramsay's wedding which isn't to Sansa it's yeah. a different character turns up there with three massive pies <laughs> and feeds them to the Freys and the Boltons. Fuck, that's and awesome. the whole time he's just kind of like, have more pie, have more pie. It's really good. Have more pie. It's fantastic. <laughs> he gives this amazing speech about the North remembers. And it's been this great like uh, touchstone for like readers of the mm. readers of the books to be like, I can't wait for that speech to happen in the show. That monologue is going to be amazing. And it kind of got switched into what uh, Lady Mormont was saying uh, okay. yeah, a yeah. little bit in the yeah, last episode, which was... Not as good, but I like her, so it's fine, I She's guess. Good. It's quite, yeah, it's just like... That's the, sh- that's the show in a nutshell. It's fine, I guess. Yeah, it's, look, honestly... In I, comparison I think to the books. I really Outside of the I books, stopped. it's probably a lot stronger. But mm. as an adaptation, it's... And look, there were certain mm. changes, I think, that made sense. Like, particularly, like, season four, which to me was the show's best season. Like, there are certain changes, like, in season four. Like, the whole subplot about John going and fighting the... um the Night's Watch deserters at Craster's Keep, which wasn't in the books. I really mm. enjoyed yeah, that. that. That was, was good. Great, yeah. um, Brienne fighting the hounds oh, yep. wasn't in the books, but what a great scene. moment. Like, what great a great battle. iconic yeah. moment. Great it was stuff like that that made sense because it, instead of like in the books where Brienne just like wanders the Riverlands and never finds Arya or Sansa until mm. she gets caught and hanged by Lady Stoneheart in the, um, in the and, and the hound gets like an infected wound on his neck and that's what, incapacitates mm. him yeah. instead you actually bring those two plots together in a way that kind of works yeah and then like when season five started and like because in the book sansa stays at the veil and basically learns from Littlefinger, like and that's where she is currently is in oh, the veil yeah. still learning from Littlefinger and sort of learning to manipulate and pull strings and it's a really cool sort of development and then when they sent her off to be married to ramsey i was like oh yeah that that, that kind of works but then mm. they just they just botched it sansa i i just can't care like i just like i try and it's like the show's presenting her to me and being like look at sansa she's made something of herself sansa's taking it back but i just like i can't every time she talks i'm like shut up <laughs> like it's like it's like I, she's crying when she's just talking it, you know it, what i mean i think this, like look is it just the actor i is look sophie turner garbage? seems like and I can't, like, I actually feel bad saying this because, like, seeing interviews and everything, Sophie Turner just seems she like seems a great lovely. person. Yeah, she seems, she she seems, seems lovely. Wonderful. She seems really funny. I think even when she's trying to be badass on the show, she comes across as a bit insipid. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. and you're right. Like, her, she doesn't have, like, I think it's like a matter of, like, her voice isn't very strong and she mm. always kind of sounds like she's whining or complaining. Actually, you're completely right. Yeah, like, every <laughs> time she like speaks, no matter what yeah. she's saying, she sounds like she's kind of about to cry. Which is why I can't really upset. buy into her you know, in inverted commas, badass moments mm. because I just, I just don't, don't think that she's and it's selling so, it's them. It's so 
boring as a character arc. Yeah, it it's really like, is. It's like it's like the fucking oldest trope in the book. It's like, oh, she was a wee frail child, and then oh, look, she had a bad time, and now she's powerful. And that's kind of what's what's so yeah. cool about her. I know, I know, look, I mean, I, I don't want to do this because we're talking about the show, but I think the fact of the matter is, like, it, it is gonna. There's kind of no way around. But in the book's argument, and look, yeah. I'm, I'm not a person who cares about adaptation mm. changes. I'm really not. I never have been. I think it's a good idea for yeah. TV well, shows and movies to no chart. Way there's a lot. No way. Exactly. You, you have to change. And I think yeah, absolutely. You, you can't get if you it. stick to the spirit of the material, and but otherwise sort of do your own thing, mm. I mean, I think that's always mm. really good, and that's the best way to do it. The best Harry Potter films are the least faithful ones. Yeah. But like in, in the book, Sansa's got this really interesting thing where – because she's a perspective character, you see from her perspective, mm. but she very rarely talks. Oh, yeah. Like so, she's very much an observer, mm. and so she she learns very early on when she's with Joffrey to never ever ever give away what she's thinking. Mm. See, that's and cool. That's a lot more interesting than the Sansa of the show, who seems perpetually emotional about something. Yeah, like, whereas like yeah, I remember at the end of I forget what season, but when like her and Baelish they had a kiss and they're like standing, they push whatever her face is down the moon door. Yeah, yeah. fuck yes. And she's like, <laughs> you're like, you have this moment where you're like, ah, Sansa's got it. She's in the game. Like, mm. she knows what's going on. And then, like, you just never got. And they just. They just yeah. kind of threw it away. Her, married her off to and Ramsay. Shipped off. Which wasn't. Like, look, on the one hand, because there was so much vitriol about that and so much outrage mm. about that. And I was like, honestly, part of me was like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. yeah. I know. Like, like, the moment she got married to Ramsay, she, like, I'm sorry, but, like, she. She had to know what was going to happen. She's yeah. not dumb. Yeah. She's been in King's Landing. She's been trained, practically inadvertently trained by Cersei and Littlefinger. And she's learned from every ruler there. She knows exactly what like is going to happen. She's been expressly told by like so many people. And like the Hound's like, no, you're going to get raped. This yeah. is yeah, likely it, like, in your future. And that's, I think, what was so, on the one hand, it's like the fact the fact that she got, you know, the fact that she got raped in and of itself, I don't think was a necessarily a terrible choice, but I think how it was handled yeah, 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 was yeah. the problem. Because in the books, that's um, a handmaiden of oh, the Starks, mm. who they are, uh, Jane Paul, Jane who they Paul, pretend yeah. Which, and is Arya. Yeah, oh, and yeah, it's way it's, worse. It's much worse. What way worse. so much worse. But basically they pretend that she's Arya Stark yeah. and wed her to Ramsay. And that plot works in the book because she's a nothing character. So the fact that it's really Theon's arc and not hers kind of makes sense. Yeah, because all about like, Theon sort of deciding to save her. Whereas in the show, it's like Sansa is a character we spent four seasons watching, like, you know, really gain her agency and everything. Mm. And then she just kind of Loses goes in there it. and sort of accepts it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, wait, what? And yeah. and then Theon, it kind of falls to Theon to save her. Yeah, like, and you're oh, like, oh, that's totally not what that's I was. Yeah, yeah. And really then they, the, like, somehow yeah. survive jumping off the mm. thing. For and me. then suddenly in season six, they're like, they, obviously they've listened to the backlash and they've gone from, like, just being full of really gratuitous rape scenes and things to suddenly just being like, oh, yeah, feminism. Mm. Like we're just gonna have scene after scene remember, after scene after this, scene. The, that scene when the Iron Islands, and I'm so Team Iron Islands, and th- when yeah. they come to, yeah. to to Daenerys, and they have that moment where she's like, "Oh yes, I'll," you know, I and Daenerys is like, "Oh, you'll be the qu- the king to Theon." Theon's like, "No, she'll be the queen." And there's like we're like six knowing looks, <laughs> yeah. and like that's a great scene. That's yeah. that's awesome because you're like, well, well, yeah, like I know as a viewer. That Daenerys will be happy that, and I always forget, is it Mara? Uh, Yara. Yara. Yeah. That Yara will be the queen. I, like, as a viewer who has watched this show for X amount of seasons, I'm aware that 
Like, Daenerys is going to be like, sweet, another queen. That's great. Taking it back. I don't need that explained to me. Yeah. It's, yeah. And explaining it, it, it to me is... It feels so much like they're winking to you. And, like... I'm like, don't keep in me and of out itself, of the Like, having the geez. female characters, like, like kicking ass is is great in and of itself. As, it's like, awesome. in a vacuum, it's awesome. Mm. Good. Do it. It would be better if it didn't feel so much like the writers are constantly being like, hey... Hey, guys, doing. guys, look Check what we're doing. Out. Look at what we're doing. Right? Yeah. Like, like forcing it in doesn't make it, and it better. Like, I, was th- I was thinking, and I was like, I don't like that that scene annoyed me because I'm like, because I'm like, I'm all for it, of course. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But then I'm like, it's just bad writing. Yeah. It's just bad it, writing. If you don't bring attention to it, you just do it. Then it's awesome. It's just, it's the writing there was just like, it just fell apart. And it's such the a writing shame. In general. I mean, it, and you could tell early on, like Game of Thrones had some of the best dialogue on TV because mm. like George R. R. Martin just has this way with language where it's like the, the dialogue he writes is so loaded and witty and because he's a screenwriter his background is in yeah. screenwriting mm. and you know a lot of the times you read novels and you can tell that the writer isn't a screenwriter and they're not used to having their dialogue read out loud yeah, yeah. so the dialogue can be a bit stilted clunky, and clunky sort of, yeah. but like George R. R. Martin's dialogue particularly in the first season was pretty much oh, transposed yeah, verbatim yeah. Like, from I've, the book I've to the show I've never read the first book I just watched the first season of the show and jumped in book two and I was fine yeah, yeah you're fine it, it's because it really it, they works were, well and I mean it's and you can feel that having fallen away since George R. R. Martin hasn't really been as involved mm. well you don't is, like the line bad pussy you don't like the bad <laughs> pussy line you don't think that's does that, that not feel authentic to you five where um where the sand snakes are kind of seeing off Jamie and Bron, and one of them oh, goes up to Bron and is yeah. like, "You want a good girl, but you needs a bad pussy." It's like, wait, what? You're like, what? Why? Going back Who to what proved that line. <laughs> Going back to what you were saying before about adaptations feeling truthful to like the spirit of oh. what they're adapting. That is so far away. Oh my god, it was just that Who... is out. That's not B movie. That's C movie. I'd... It's just oh, D, but it's fuck. just grim. That's it... ridiculous. But I mean, it's look, I. I kind of feel like I've gotten, gotten to this point with Game of Thrones where, like I said, probably during season five, I kind of stopped taking it seriously. And it's and look, I, I love Game of Thrones a tremendous amount because I probably could make a compelling uh, – an argument could be made that that book series is probably my all-time favorite book mm. series. Like when I, I read the first one in year 11 and I remember like reading it and being like, this is fucking great. And then for some reason I think I think I got a girlfriend and it was the first time that had happened and I was like, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> and then I forgot about reading because Screw I had better books. things to do. <laughs> Fuck books. Fuck you, nerds. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anyway. For, for some reason I stopped reading. But, like, I – Never finished the second book. And then when the show came out, I was like, oh, fuck, that was that book I really enjoyed like several years ago. Mm. And I watched the first season. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, like, yeah. how the fuck? Why did I stop reading this? And so then I went and I bought all the other books and I re- I plowed through them like in a couple of months. Da, da, da. And I was fucking obsessed. I was fiercely obsessed with those books. And so when season two came around, I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, Game of Thrones. And I feel like that momentum and like the the lingering heat of my love for those books from those like long public transport reading sessions where I actually feel like I missed a couple of train stations because I was so engrossed. <laughs> but like I – that carried over probably through to about season four. And then by the time season five came along, it was like, look, it's been so long. I've been waiting for so long to find out what's going to happen. Yeah. And it just – I kind of just stopped taking it seriously overall. Mm. And now I feel like I'm at a point where I'm more fascinated by Game of Thrones as – I guess as a as a thing than as a story, if if this makes sense. Like I'm fascinated by watching it and being like, it's the first time in history that an adaptation has overtaken the source material. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it's fascinating. Well, I think so anyway, unless somebody can probably on this example. scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the scale, so. And it's mm. absolutely fascinating. Like watching watching sort of like you're talking about like the declining quality, watching like the shifts in the writing mm. styles, watching all of this, and and trying to figure out 
what is coming from the books and what isn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah as it goes exactly. on, it's like hold the door, Hodor dying. Yeah, hold yep. the door. Apparently, like I thought that scene that happened, and I was laughing. I was like, "This is the most ridiculous fucking moment." Like, what is this? I thought the same thing. As soon and as apparently, you said, that was George R. R. Yeah. idea. As soon as she screamed, hold the door, I was like, that's like, like are Hodor. they actually doing this? Like, yeah, is, I, and they weren't people were losing their minds about it. People were like, like, oh my God, it makes, it's so... It's the like, best thing ever, how? but I watched it and I was like, and you know, you know what I actually thought as that scene was unfolding? I was watching and I was like, yeah, good one, Benioff and Weiss. Yeah, I know. Good one. <laughs> yeah, nice work. But you know what? I'm no. totally willing to be convinced that in the book it would work. I'm sure it yeah. would work in the book because they'd take more than no, actually, no, they'd take some time and not zero time like the show to explain what Brand's powers are like and what they're doing. Exactly. Mm. And the other thing is like maybe maybe the reason, I, and I was thinking about this because like because everybody seemed to love that, and I was like, wait, am I was I was I wrong? Was yeah. I the only person who thought that was fucking stupid? Yeah. And I kind of like I thought about it, then I was like. Well, hang on, maybe – then I started to, like, actually kind of kick myself because I was like, well, maybe it's because I expect the worst from this show and I've <laughs> long passed the point of taking it seriously that I just kind of view everything through, like, a slightly kind of raised eyebrow perspective and, like, a slightly cynical perspective. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe I watch it the wrong way, maybe. But I don't know. Then, then well, again, like, it's like – it's, it's like – so the point of Hodor was that, like, because everyone's like, he says Hodor all the time. Why? And, like – at one point, he's gonna hold the door. Like it's not. It's not, it wasn't a significant thing. Not like, especially. Not, several thousand other characters in Game of Thrones have made greater sacrifices and done more impressive, more significant things than Hodor. And were actually interesting characters too. Yeah. I mean, Hodor. Yeah, he. He was funny. Sure. Hey, I laughed. Hodor was basically a pet. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But th- then, like, he holds the door once, and it's like. There you go. You're like, that's not, that doesn't mean anything. It's the same as like, I don't understand this like, this weird fixation people have on characters like that. Like with Hodor and One One, everyone's like, oh my God, One One died. I was like, One One wasn't even a character. It's just because he's, they died. And that's what people, that's the gimmick John? of the show. Like, so was, whenever a character he died, cute, he was stupid he in the Battle of the Bastards because he was yeah. like, Did oh, the snow? people have shields. That's the only thing he ever said was like when John was like trying to rally the, mm. in one of the like three scenes we got of build up to the Battle of the Bastards, when John was like trying to rally the wildlings oh. and then One One just kind of stands up and goes, snow. And yeah. Then walks off oh. and was like, I don't know. Oh, I thought he said no. Like Shirley John Snow is like, what? Oh, yeah. that's, is he on board? That's what I couldn't tell. That like, makes like, sense. No, I thought he said, I thought he said no. And that was the end of the scene. I was like, oh, John lost. But then they all turned up. I was like, oh, that's weird. Well, yeah. I wonder why they went against it. But okay, fine. <laughs> no, he says That's snow. the show. Mm, good. Uh, it's, the reason, yeah. though, that people like talk about one one's death and fuck, what is it? Hodor's death. Mm. Is because they died, and that's the gimmick of the show now. Mm. Whenever a character dies, everyone loses their mind on mm. Twitter, and it gets a great reaction, and everyone's talking yeah, about absolutely. how Game of Thrones is the show where all these people die, even though it's not that anymore. Mm. It just has that reputation. Exactly, exactly. The and, people and that die now aren't important people. And also the fact is, like, I, I do feel like there's a certain... I don't know what the word is for it, but like, there's a certain the, the show seems to get off on these death scenes, mm. which to me mm. is kind of that that was that's like the Walking Dead's domain. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones, the show where the stakes are high because anyone can die at any point, and it literally made its name by killing off its main character in its mm. first season. But I never felt that, that that's not why I watched Game of Thrones. That was no. never why I watched Game of Thrones. I watched Game of Thrones because like it's a great, beautiful Shakespeare and mm. well, the books and I guess mm. the show in its early days. It's this great, beautiful Shakespearean epic about very real, very flawed, mm. very believable, very nuanced characters in this crazy world, and you sort of believe everything that goes on because it feels so rooted yeah. in how people actually are. Yeah. And 
like the the like you know for for perpetual deaths and like shock value, I would go to something like Sons of Anarchy or Walking Dead, where it's like you watch it and you go, oh, that was a shocking thing that happened, and then five minutes later, you know, I mean, like think about look for point of comparison. I think you know this is this is probably the opportune time for my uh, every episode reference to Hannibal, but you know the ending of the second season of Hannibal where. No one actually died. Oh, like, one person died. But, like, the ending of the season of Hannibal, like, you know, had a whole bunch of characters, like, stabbed and were left bleeding out. And mm. you knew it wouldn't make sense for any of them to be for, to, for them to yeah, be actually yeah. dead in the next season. But after that scene, my heart didn't slow down for 20 minutes. <laughs> and it was all I could think about for days afterwards, even though nobody died. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, like, or Breaking Bad, you know, the episode, the uh, – the, um, Crawl space episode yeah. where like Walter lose like everything is fucked up. Walter's like Skylar gave him money away. Gus is threatening him. Walter's trapped You're and just he just like, loses his mind. Like, and th- that stuck with me for days. Mm. If I watch something like Walking Dead or Sons of Anarchy, this is how I'm starting to feel about Game of Thrones. And something really big like that happens. It's like in the moment, it's like oh fuck. And then oh, five yeah. minutes later, you just don't care. Well, like, think I, don't really I, think I really don't like. How true the comparison between Sons of Anarchy and Games of Thrones rings. That, that struck grim? me a bit too dark. Yeah, isn't it a bit grim? Actually, yeah, I've been thinking that the past week or so, they don't solve problems in Game of Thrones anymore without stabbing. Yeah, Everyone no. solves their problems with stabbing, and that's not and the thing what is, the like, show is about. can stick with you without a character brutally dying, which is, I yeah. guess, yeah. why I make the Hannibal comparison, because it's like, even though what, what made that work is because a it was so beautifully put together and b it was payoff because you know the whole season has been will being like hannibal is a killer hannibal is a killer believe me hannibal is a killer okay you're not going to believe me i'm going to put this game in motion take him down from the inside and then it pays off where it's like now we believe you but this guy who we thought was our friend has fucked all of us up and it is a beautiful shocking heart-wrenching payoff that nobody actually needed to die and yeah, again, it's like Breaking Bad. It's like it's payoff, but nobody actually needed to die. And then, like, if you think, so you think about the episode we just watched, like talking about character deaths. It's like so many people died. Yeah. yeah. Did but you feel anything? No. Like, like, apart from fuck. apart from like a mild, like almost titillated shock, like that because I just like I said, yeah. I, I really thought that set scene was beautifully made. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah oh, I agree. It was cinema. gorgeous. But, but like, I, like it, and the characters that died were not characters I ever give a fuck about. Like maybe Marjorie. Mm. Ma- yeah, maybe, maybe Marjorie. But, like, what maybe the hell was up with her subplot? She had that whole thing about her fake converting. But then, no, fuck that. Just blow her up. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Based all this time on showing you that she's actually, she's not on the level. She's playing this priest for a fool. But that, boom. I guess it's about subverting my expectation and doing, and going, you know, right when I expect left, but still. Still, you've got a show where you've got so many characters and there are some people that are so underdeveloped and some people that are so mm. overdeveloped. you got to manage your time a little bit better. I know, it's, it's, it kind of seems like they were like, we've, oh, fuck, like, we don't know what quite to do with, you know, we got the fucking High Sparrow and we got, like, my, oh, what do we do? Uh, just set him on fire. And then yeah. they're like, uh, we kind of want to put Cersei on the throne, I guess. Yeah, but they can't do he that He kills the himself, he just leaps off the building. Yeah. And then we're good. Why did he? Oh, like, I don't know. I and suppose they, if we actually knew who Tommen was as a character, that might have made a bit maybe. more sense. Other than just a little sad I'd be, I'd be more upset if his cat jumped off. Mm. That so. Was, that would be the worst. I guess, I guess being movie maintenance, um, we should probably address this. What? If anything, mm. what can Game of Thrones do at this point to better itself? Or is it too late? Has it has it kind of veered into that territory of like shock for shock's sake TV that you just kind of watch because it's obviously the biggest thing in the cultural conversation? And and look, honestly, I, I like the fact that everybody talks about Game of Thrones. Yeah, I like no, the yeah. fact that, generally speaking, it is universal entertainment of the type we probably haven't seen since Harry Potter, yeah. Yeah. where everyone watches a, it, everyone a, talks it's a, about a it. It's a cultural touchstone or whatever. Absolutely. Like it's, it's something everybody can, And you know, even yeah. like, you know, it's... You, you can try to be cynical, but it's hard not to get caught up for the 10 weeks it's yeah. on where everyone's yeah. talking about it. You get involved and, you know, it's still – it is still good TV. Mm. Like, at its at its heart, I mean, it's it would be completely wrong and completely overly cynical to say, yeah, but there is this bad TV. It's highly flawed TV. Mm. It's certainly tired and has seen better days. But the fact that it's still in its sixth season has this claim on popular culture. Yeah. And, like – everybody watches it like it's bigger than it has ever been absolutely like last week i had i didn't see the battle of the bastards for like a day mm. and i had a little bit of it spoiled for me and i don't really care because i expected it anyway mm. but i was still sort of like oh yeah like you still kind of like i've thought yeah. this season has been largely garbage but yeah. the moment it starts Oppen's up and you cool. have that music and you're like yeah, oh and fuck yeah. and you're like and it's we're going to the river run too. today Woo! yeah like, it's <laughs> i mean like i've i sort of it's funny because, like, I had a friend ask me, like, sort of earlier during the season. They were like, oh, yeah, what, do, you, do you have a Game of Thrones watching tradition? Mm. And I was like, sort of. Like, I've got friends who I watch it with. But, like, by and large, this this season, I've almost watched every episode, like, with a different group of people. Oh, yeah. And, like, with different sort of just, – just because I've sort of floated around between a few different groups watching Game of Thrones. And it's, like, it's, it's this thing where, like, Monday night you have your Game of Thrones watching crew and you yeah. all get together and you all watch it together. And it's it's kind of like – I love that about it. I think that's really that's really cool that there is something like that that exists. It's and like, when it you know, ends, it'll be quite a big deal. Doesn't matter yeah, how yeah. garbage the show has gotten. Really. When it ends, you'll still be like, man, that's yeah. a game of fucking thrones. I guess there's three ways to approach this question. Does it need to be fixed? If so, what can it do at this point to go out on an absolute high? And did it need to be fixed several seasons ago and it's too far gone? Well, I mean, to I, ever be taken. I think to it can TV be fixed. Again. It's in a good spot at the moment. They've like reduced the amount of locations they mm. have. Everything's coming to Westeros. They don't yep. have as many characters to follow. How I many... think they could really like they could get back to a really high place. How many seasons do we have left? Two, I think. They've said I think what I've heard is that there might be two shortened seasons. Oh, okay. So like two so short seasons. So if it's roughly one season, then because like, I guess it, it depends on how you kind of want to look at it, right? As to whether or not it needs to be fixed. Yeah. That season we watched, I didn't like. Like, I, I, I came out of so many episodes being like, oh, that was a bad episode. And then by a certain point, I was like, mm, that's like two thirds of the season. I've come out of not enjoying the episode. 
But I still watched them all, and I still like I didn't have a like I enjoyed the last season, the last episode we just watched. You know what I mean? So you could just let it kind of like end its run, whatever. You get all your payoff, and you're like, "What? Hey, it was one of those yeah. shows that was good until it kind of was." For all the yeah. shit that we've been yeah. giving it, I know that I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, it. So it's as terrible as it is, or it doesn't matter. Half of the enjoyment of the experience, like the communal enjoyment of the experience, is bitching about it as exactly. well. It's like the same with anything. It's a it's water cooler content. Mm. But yeah. if you if you were to change it, because I think if you if if Game of Thrones needs to do anything, it's to inject a little bit of that reality back into the yeah, get, yeah, get rid of some of that plot armor, get rid of some of that like this is obviously where the narrative will go because I've I know a na- it shouldn't be based on what a narrative is, it should be based on what like it, real life is in a in a way. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? But if you injected that again, would it be just so jarring compared to the last two seasons that it would kind of make the last season not almost worth it? Like if they were like, oh, okay, so we've we're going to make this series as gritty and as real as the first couple seasons, you know, like the final season. And then it's like Daenerys and the Iron Island lads arrive on Westeros and, oh, shit, like Westeros unites because, of course, you would. It's an invading force. And yeah. they just destroyed Daenerys and that's kind of the end of it. You know, like you're like, well, that's uh, uh, I guess a, it comes out of that damned if you do, damned if you don't thing again. There was like, a fan theory floating around that Daenerys is going to kind of end up being a villain. That'd yeah, which nice. I would love. Mm. I mean, the, even in the show's not so great current state, they do do that quite well. Like last week in the Battle of the Bastards, you've got the character of Small John Umber, mm. who sides with Ramsay Bolton, has that great "Who owns the North?" speech yeah, before yeah. he goes into battle, and he knows that Ramsay Bolton's a fucking bastard. He doesn't, and he cares, but he also knows that his family's lands have been raided by wildlings yeah, for yeah. thousands of years, and yeah. he's going to be damned if this fucking bastard son of some highborn lord is going to lead his pack of wildlings in and take his shit mm, yeah so exactly. he takes against it and that makes sense that's good it's not given the time maybe it should have mm. but it's there yeah 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 it's yeah it, it feels though so like like the writers are struggling to keep daenerys from being a villain you know what i mean like we get these tidbits where you're like man okay cool they're going in that direction but then they're like oh pull it back she's a good person oh, pull it back yeah it's and you're completely right what you said earlier jack but like just don't really care about daenerys anymore like go back to season one and like i thought her plot was like one of the best yeah it was like, probably I, the best one. Oh was, my yeah. god like and, and she was the character everyone loved coming her and Tyrion really were the characters everyone mm. loved coming out of the first season the problem is that like for the plot to work, she couldn't. She obviously couldn't um, invade Westeros until coming to sort of the third act. Yeah, and everyone yeah. kind of thought, "Oh yeah, she's going to invade Westeros," and then just season after season after season after season where she just didn't. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, sorry, but this show sort of sold us on the Westerosi politics, and that to me, like, I've always thought in the early days, the King's Landing stuff was the best stuff, and that was kind of mm, why I yeah, watched for the show. Sure. Um, I don't care about Moraine. I never have. No. I've never cared about it. I don't think anyone ever has, like really. Like, in the books, it's sort of interesting, at least. Sort There's of, a little not, bit of intrigue. Not really. I mean, not as interesting, of course. It pales in comparison to Restoros, but it's okay. Yeah, And, I like, guess. they could have at least moved her out of, like, there was the Slaver's Coast. There was, like, there were other cities, other places she could have gone, other things she could have done. Like, I was kind of assuming with my, you know, no knowledge of the books or whatever that it was going to be, like, cool. So Daenerys is going... This you know across the but that's then, across the narrow sea like, yeah? Yeah, yeah yeah across the narrow sea rallying like this whole other continent and she'll she's such a good leader that she'll lead but everybody also, across but then I think one of the things that has made Game of Thrones so effective and this is why I do not give a shit about the White Walkers I mm. just don't mm. and one of the things that has always made Game of Thrones effective is that your sympathies can be on either side like we like Lannisters and Starks yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we like characters who are 
completely opposed. And I think one of the most fascinating storytelling choices you can have is give us sympathetic people on both sides. Mm. Like, you know, the fact that Jamie Lannister literally gets introduced fucking his sister and throwing a kid out the window and then becomes a sympathetic hero. The fact that Cersei's become sort of sympathetic. Yeah. The fact that Theon, fucking Theon, I know, in season the two, season, like, like, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah. Theon does what Ramsay Bolton's family is famous for. He skins and burns two children. Yeah. And now he's like, no, he's oh, he's okay. Yeah, yeah. He's fine. just, I mean, it, and so to me, it's like, okay, her, you know, fighting in Slaver's Bay, it's like you're basically destroying a whole bunch of, or, you know, conquering a whole bunch of faceless cities mm. that, you know, we don't really know anything about. We don't have any reason to care about the culture you're destroying because it's just pure evil. So it makes it really hard to care when over in Westeros there are politics where it's like it's complicated and it's messy and it's ugly because for the people we like to die to win, other people we like are going to have to die. Yeah. And that that makes the story compelling. Whereas with the White Walkers, it's like, okay, Fine. Like, I guess you get them. It'll and, make for a good battle scene That's at the end. That's actually been one like, of my biggest irks I just of the adaptation is the adaptation of the whites, of, like, the soldiers for the White Walkers. In the books, like, in the first season, or maybe first two seasons of the show, just reanimated corpses, mm. blue eyes, they wake up and they will try to kill you with their bare hands. And in the show, they're just sort of like the pirates from Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. 1. They're just skeletons, they got swords, and they run at you, and they're yeah. Somebody really dull. It it's been... much, so much more terrifying in the books. Where they literally pull men apart and they're, oh, they're like, they're like, good. like it's an army of Terminators. Mm. And the other thing is, like, it's not that they don't carry weapons. And it's they don't... not that, you know, big, soulless, evil fantasy armies are inherently a bad thing. I mean, that's what works and in Lord like, of the yeah. Rings. You don't and have like to that. necessarily make your, your, your big, like, you know, if you use the White Walkers as like this, like a, almost like a force of nature, you know, yeah. like, like it, in a way, you could replace the White Walkers with like a terrible blizzard. Like, yeah, you know what really, I mean? You could yeah. be like, the, the terrible blizzard is coming and it'll be so terrible that it'll kill anybody who's not sitting on a fire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, 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 and that's kind of like... <laughs> and also it kind of feels like the White Walkers have been marching on the wall for... I mean, season two literally mm. ended with them marching towards the wall. And mm. now where are, where they? are they? And then, and like, then Hard Home happens and I guess that was kind of cool. Several episodes ago they were like, fucking the tree ladies were at the tree and they were throwing fucking their Star Wars balls at them. Yeah. yeah. That was like... Fuck that! That episode it just, was bad. Oh, you just it's reminded me I, of the scene where they introduced the forest people. That was fucking and dumb. Like, when they first arrived at that tree with the tree man and the yeah. tree, there's one, and you're like, "Fuck!" There's like the last of the, and then the next there's time like we're there, them, there's yeah. like eight, and you're like, "Oh, are we gonna get?" And then they die, and you're like, well, "Please give me like something to steady myself." If on only they yeah. had the time. To uh, it, what is happening? And like they're fucking. Why did they throw balls that glowed like lightsabers? I don't know. And like I, it was I the just most hokey. Know. Like it looked so bad. Why did they have to it, glow? Yeah. So you can tell that's D and D. Yeah, not Martin. Yeah, you really can. And like the White Walkers, like fucking that first season and that first season end. That ended with the White Walker, yeah. Or am I thinking uh, of season two? Season two. Season, season two, two ends, and there's it's Sam, yeah, yeah. Yep. And yep. there's just like fucking this, and you're like. What the fuck is this? Like yeah. you, that fucking shat my dear. I didn't know what was going on. That was so exciting. Um, and then you're like, what the fuck are they? What is going on? Who are they? Why are they taking kids from the fucking Crassley's like the keep? What the fuck? And then in that episode, they're like, no, we stabbed no, a tree. It's this. This yeah. is it. We got this you. is your thirty second. Mm. Explanation. Here you I mean, go. Bye. Maybe, Don't maybe trip. we're all wrong, and maybe we'll learn some stuff about the White Walkers. It makes them more interesting mm. towards the end. M- maybe it kind of feels mm. like that would have happened by now if that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that like, happens in the last season. I think like, Martin really? has said that like the White Walkers aren't the bad guys. Mm. They're just another faction. They've got their own thing going. They're not I villains. Hope. It's gonna. Yeah. Look, it's 
It's certainly going to be. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think maybe one of the issues in the last couple of seasons has been that, like, the the primary villain has really been Ramsay Bolton, who is just so over the top evil. Yeah. Like, Joffrey yeah. at least was reasonably compelling because I, I think the reason that, like, I mean, obviously people are like, oh yeah, fucking Ramsay Bolton, but like, I never had the vitriolic hatred for Ramsay Bolton no, I mean, that I had for hmm. Joffrey. The reason is because Ramsay Bolton is just like a cartoon villain, whereas Joffrey, we all know kids like Joffrey. Yeah. 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 We've all met spoiled and titled little shits. Who get every like Joffrey is literally that idea. The reason he's so odious and terrifying and unsettling is because he is an an idea we all know mm. taken to its logical extreme. Like he is a kid who literally in a fucked up world where it's okay to shoot prostitutes with crossbows and things yeah. like that, and he's given all that power. Like he's given all the power in the world. He's a little spoiled, neglected yeah, shit. And they're like, yeah, so, you and know. he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And that's what is so interesting about him. Uh, Tywin was an interesting villain because Tywin was fucking amazing. Tywin was great, great character. Charles Dance, amazing casting. Great, understandable character. Mm. We knew where he was coming from. Roose Bolton was an interesting villain. That is actually the maintenance I would have for this season. Don't kill off Roose. Yeah, what? Keep Roose. And then you have the Battle of the Bastards. But Ramsey's such a like, and and it's that it's that like that change between the. Time where it's they're clearly basing it on like you know George's mm. writing and the time where they haven't where they're like yeah. we, they can't construct a compelling villain and so Ramsay's they really already easy. kind of they already have constructed a compelling villain in Bruce and there's so much great small stuff but for some reason they don't What's have so the show like they had that Bruce. one line where he says to Ramsay like don't make me rue the day I raped your mother yeah. which is a fucking mean line and, and that like, would get oh, him over as a villain boy. amazingly but the they reason, just don't have it in the show what's so chilling about him is the fact that he's so I mean what was, what was this? I read somewhere somebody made this point where they were like Bruce Bolton is an evil psychopath with the attitude of like a bank manager mm. which is what I find so interesting yeah. about him because he's not like this imperious lord like Tywin Lannister he's not this cackling psychopath like Joffrey or um or Ramsay, Ramsay. Mm. he I don't really know why he does what he does. He doesn't seem to care a tremendous amount it's about anything. A lot more Just the wind, when the That's wind was blowing so with Rob Stark, he went with Rob Stark. The wind blowing against Rob Stark, yeah. he went the other way. Mm. Which is why I like him because, again, recognizable human. Mm. Um, it's And that's what the show seems to have lost a lot of its talent for is – you know, these characters who might be evil and might do horrible things. But I mean, like, for that reason, Jamie Lannister is my favorite character in the show because, oh, in the books too, because, like, the fact that I, I think it's genius writing to take someone to introduce him in one of the most horrible ways possible yeah. and then to make you like him yeah. by being like, oh, by the way, if you actually look at things from his perspective, he's like, yeah, I fucked my sister because she's the only person who understands me. Yeah, I killed my king because he was crazy and was going to burn down the city. Yeah, You're I threw like, a kid oh, out the window yeah. because if I did it, my own kids were going to die. Like, Mm. All his motivations are actually rock solid. And the fact that on top of that, he's actually a not particularly great guy who actually wants to be a good guy. Mm. Like, and, yeah, oh, that's the best part about Jay. Oh, that's so good. Every, I think the he's other the, thing they, maybe the only person in the show that does. Maybe, oh, maybe Jon Snow. Oh, in fact, that's actually one huge maintenance I would have. Okay, I'm going to um, throw something out there. I think a big maintenance, I think Jamie's been really underserved this season because you know how there was that- Last few seasons, I'd say. Really, yeah. Like, right from the moment where he- where the showrunners were like, oh, he didn't rape Cersei, it was consensual, but everything about it looked like a rape God scene. damn, was... that felt like rape. That, that was so strange. Yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm like, honestly, watching that, I was like, okay, if you're shooting this and you've edited it and you've put it out there and somebody's approved it and you all still don't think it's rape, what does that say about you guys? Isn't it? But, 
Wasn't it there, like, I remember reading an article, I don't remember where it was, maybe, maybe Cracked, where they were like, these are the scenes that changed in Game of Thrones from the book. Yeah, and, and that so was one of them. many of them became rape scenes? Yeah. The, like, Daenerys, it's just like Daenerys and Carl Drogo in yeah. the first episode. Carl Drogo, that was that was actually one of the moments I realised how in I was reading the book, hmm. was when, you know, you, you meet Daenerys, she's this, like, young 13-year-old girl, hmm. she's been sold off to this warlord, and you're reading it thinking, oh, this is fucked, I don't want to read this, I don't want to read this, I don't want to read this, and he takes her for a ride, and then... He starts undressing her, and again, like much like in the show, all yeah. he can say is no. And then he kind of like reaches for a breast or something. Then he just kind of pauses and he goes, "No," like questioning. Yeah. And Daenerys is like, "Yes." And then they sort of go ahead, but it's actually the first moment you're like, hmm, "He's actually not." not so a- that's why I don't understand why they. They were like, "No, let's whatever, make it right." It's you're like really that just odd. seems like such a really bizarre. Odd. There's so many strange choices in the adaptation. Some of them make sense, like replacing Vargo Hoat with Noah Taylor's character. I really yeah, like that. Yeah, that was too. that made a lot of sense. I'm always happy to see mm-hmm. Noah Taylor. Yeah, but then it's there's, a, there's other stuff like Jamie raping Cersei. That and it was God, pretty much was... from that point onwards because and now much... they've come back around to it. Like, nah, Jamie and Cersei, that's real good. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, We're on like, board with that. You should just, root for this but couple. Here's the here's like again. Um, I, I'm not adverse to changes. I'm adverse to stupid changes mm, yes. that make no sense and fuck up all the character work. So, like, what was in that most recent episode, or that one of the episodes where Jamie's talking to Ed Muir at River Run? He's yeah. like, oh, I will burn down the world to get back to Cersei. All this. Okay. Uh, point of comparison in the book. What happens is that Jamie leaves. To, he never goes to Dawn because fuck that noise. Uh, God, at, yeah, the, yeah. at the time he went to Dawn in the books, he goes to the Riverlands mm. to um to basically end the siege, much like he did this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except the thing that happened was that, you know that horrible old story about Tyrion's wife and how Tywin yeah. Yeah. forced, you know, all the guards to gang rape her and things like that and that she was a prost- and that allegedly she was a prostitute who Jamie had hired. Yeah. Jamie when Jamie releases Tyrion right before he kills Tywin. I completely forgot Jamie, about this. Yeah. Jamie admits to Tyrion that she wasn't a prostitute. She mm. was actually just a simple village girl who loved Tyrion and Tywin made him lie. And in a moment of pure rage, Tyrion tells Jaime that he killed Joffrey. Oh. He tells Jaime that he killed Joffrey, mm. even though he didn't. And then he says, oh, by the way, Cersei's been fucking all these other people behind your back while you were away. Mm. And that reveal, which is true. Yeah, and like yeah. tells him he's been fucking Lance. She's been fucking Lance on all of these people and things Moon like that. And then, and then leaves. And so basically that kind of leaves Jamie being like fucking hell. And so it becomes this big sticking point for Jamie is that like when he sort of sees Cersei after that, all he can think about is Tyrion's words over and over 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 in his head. And he starts to realize he's like, he's just spent all this time with Brienne. He starts to realize that he's, he doesn't necessarily want to be with Cersei. So he goes to the Riverlands. And now meanwhile, while all this is happening, Brienne is off fucking about the Riverlands trying to find um, Sansa and Arya, which was one of the more frustrating subplots because we knew in the books where Sansa and Arya were and we oh, knew yeah. they weren't in the Riverlands. So it felt like we were wasting time until she comes across Lady Stoneheart. And Lady Stoneheart hangs her for treason. And before she hangs her, it gives her a choice and says, you have to either bring me Jamie Lannister or I will hang you and all your friends. Yeah, yeah. And so basically says the sword or the noose. That's, yeah. that's your choice, the sword or the noose. And as Brienne hangs, it's like the end of the fourth book, she yells out a word. You don't know what that word is. At the same time, Jamie in the Riverlands, this is right after Cersei gets uh, captured by the Faith. Oh, yeah. Cersei writes Jamie a letter begging him to come and be her champion in trial by combat and to save her. And at the same time as Jamie gets that letter, Brienne comes to him and says, I found Sansa Stark. The Hound is going to kill her. You're basically yeah. lying to him to bring him back to Lady Stoneheart. And Jamie, and here's the beautiful, beautiful tragedy. Jamie chooses to go with Brienne mm. over going to save Cersei, not realizing that Brienne is leading Fuck. him into a trap. How 
fucking Fuck, good, good is that? Oh, because man. Because not only, not only does it hold true with the character's changes mm. as established instead of him just, like, going back to Cersei, mm. it actually holds with the fact that Jaime is a changed man. Yeah. And it's him going there to save Sansa because he is a changed man, but his past crimes mm. still come back oh, to bite him. All that beautiful tragedy, and you, Jack, you will have none of it. I know, I'll never and instead, get, and instead, in the show, we get fucking Dawn. Yeah. Instead, we're like, we get bad pussy, and we get dumb, like, fucking stupid, clunky sword fights in Dawn, and all of that dumb shit, and the Riverlands oh, outrageously one bad. The, one of the better plots in the book gets wrapped up in, like, one episode, where it's just, it just, like... Not even one episode, one scene. Yeah, really, yeah. And then Fuck. it's like, okay, what was the point? These characters yeah, no, were, and, why and were we there? Honestly, as I was watching that, that it. clearly wasn't their intention because they cast uh, Doran Mantell with a fairly respected actor. I can't remember his name for the life of me, mm. but he is rather good. He's in Peaky Blinders as well. And yeah, they had him in and they're going to do something with mm. it, surely. They've got Ariel Hotar no. as well. Yeah, they'll, they'll go ahead no, with this. <laughs> They've put their eggs in this basket. And then, no. like, I mean, on top of that, I think like it was just like with the, with the old Siege storyline, it's like, okay, as it was happening, and this again was like, you know, the the part of me that still held out faith until the last moment that we would get Lady Stoneheart because, I mean, she's one of the best plots in the book. Mm. Like, it's just she's – because it's so terrifying because, again, it shows consequences. Yeah, The yeah. consequence of resurrection is that the Catelyn Stark you got back is not, not the, Catelyn the Catelyn Stark, Stark who died. That, yeah, yeah. And it's chilling. Like, the way Martin – like, Martin sometimes has these beautifully written moments and – it's the way he describes Catelyn. And I, I just I remember like the descriptions like really sticking with me and really haunting me for a long time after reading them. Like when Brienne meets her, I think oh, it's not Brienne, I think it's one of the phrase she hangs earlier. The description is her eyes saw him and they hated. Mm, and that's all that's that, good. And, and she's described as like the thing that had been Catelyn Stark. And it's so chilling. Like it is just a chilling, unsettling, haunting. Actually, one of the most haunting mm. things I've ever read is what has happened to this character who we liked and empathized with and believed in. And the whole, this whole season, when, you know, we went back to the Riverlands, we saw Walter Frey again, and they were referencing the Brotherhood Without Banners, who Lady Stoneheart leads, I was like, they're going to bring back Lady Stoneheart, yeah. they're going to bring back Lady Stoneheart, they're actually going to bring in Lady Stoneheart, and then Jamie and Brienne converge in the Riverlands, and I was like, why go to all this effort for characters we haven't seen or thought about in, like, three seasons since the Red Wedding, unless you're going to bring in Lady Stoneheart? And then there was that fucking moment where the hand, and then, you know, when all the Hound's friends yeah, get home, yeah. and you're like, that's what Lady Stoneheart does, you're like, fucking hell, uh, yeah, as soon as I we're going to get Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, I was so oh. convinced. And then the moment where the Hound mm. tracks down the Brotherhood Without Banners and Beric fucking Dondarrion turns around and I literally saw Bedioff and Weiss raise their middle fingers <laughs> at the whole audience who had read the books being like, fuck you literally, guys. Literally saw that. And But even so, I was like, again, I was like, why bring Jamie and Brent to the Riverlands unless you can do Stoneheart? I was like, we might still get Stoneheart. We brought Walter Frey back. We might still get Stoneheart. Then in that episode where the Frey pie was being served up, I was like... They're still going to somehow Maybe. get Stoneheart. And it was like, no, we're, we're really not. Because now that the Freys are out of the picture and the Boltons are out of the picture, her whole thing was revenge against Freys and Boltons. There is no reason for her to turn up. Yeah, but wouldn't you much rather, instead of spending all your time with that nonsense, spend your time with Arya getting beaten up by the Waif for like four <sighs> episodes and then, like and then going to a play for the next three episodes? Yeah. No fucking point. Holy fuck, she was at that play for so long. Her whole faceless man bit doesn't really matter what what was the point fuck if i mean i if guess that faceless man i mean we get had... that nice scene at the end in the last episode where she offers walder but walder doesn't know who the fuck she is and also, she doesn't like, need another face for that walder is talking about like villains who are great walder is a great villain absolutely yeah. because again this is this is this is a theory i've sort of got in my mind that, like the most compelling villains in game of thrones 
are the ones that are rooted in recognizable people. Hmm. And that's why Joffrey is compelling because he's rooted in the bratty little kid. That's why Bruce is compelling because he's rooted in like the middle manager sort of bureaucrat who yeah, just kind of doesn't yeah. really care about anything but still does all this stuff. Tywin is rooted in like the the lordly, imperious, older kind of noble who yeah. we understand that archetype and it's turned on its head again. Um, and Walder, why I love Walder Frey is because his whole motivation for everything is that he's just a petty, spiteful old man. Yeah. And I love the fact that Walder isn't about like unbridled sadism. He isn't about like, you know, winning the, you know, winning the Iron Throne or anything like no. that. He's just a petty old shit. And none of it would have happened if Rob had just married his fucking exactly. daughter. Exactly, then it would have been fine. And that was the but... only reason Walder did what he did. That was the only reason Walder ever did anything. Was And I love the fact that the Red Wedding came about out of just pure, the pure spite, spite yeah. of a bitter yeah. old cunt. Hmm. Like, how brilliant is that? And so, again, like, losing Walder Frey, I'm like, and I, I really do think David Bradley, I mean, if anyone's a Doctor Who fan, you've seen, um, the movie uh, An Adventure in Space and Time about the making of early Doctor Who where David Bradley, that actor, plays oh, yeah. William Hartnell. And it's funny, like, just a quick side note with that. That came out for the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who a couple of yep. years ago. And I remember watching it with my housemate when it came out. I was like, oh, it's this, like, cool short film. Like, uh, not a short film, like a full-length film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're watching it and David Bradley, you know, plays the irascible William Hartnell who basically in real life was this actor sort of, you know, in his late 50s, he was quite old and basically thought his career was done and suddenly got this role that made him, like, beloved by children <laughs> everywhere and became this icon. But because he was quite old and he was quite sick, he got sort of sicker and sicker and sicker and basically couldn't do the role anymore, which is why they brought in the regeneration aspect oh, of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's this beautiful scene near the end of it where he's been told that he's being replaced and he's kind of standing there by the fire and he's like, oh, you know, they, they replaced me. They're repl- telling his wife about it. And then he just starts crying and like completely breaks down, just oh, saying, I don't want to go oh. over and over again. I was watching it thinking, holy shit. And as I watched this scene, I kind of turn over to my housemate because I've got tears running down my face. I turn over and he's like, like furiously wiping yeah. away his tears, <laughs> like trying not to let me like, and everybody who watched that, like, and David Bradley is one of those actors who can do that. And so like yeah. just getting to hmm. see him on screen in a role that he clearly relishes as much as Walter yeah. Frey has been an unbridled delight from start to finish. And then to just, whoop, and it's like, yeah, yeah I, I guess. I mean, but, I his mean, character had to go at some point. Mm, like, I actually wouldn't have minded, wouldn't have minded if he just like, how, okay. How's this for a bit of a okay. bit of potential maintenance? What if, Walter Frey never went. What if Walter Frey stayed in the picture and then your white walkers invade and John is forced to turn to the twins mm. for oh. reinforcements? Imagine. Ooh, that's a scene. Imagine that. Mm. Fuck. Oh, yeah. I think as soon as he had the other side of the bridge, though, he'd kill him. There's no way John could reconcile not No, but Frey. that's what. But, but that's good the good. That like, yeah. That's how, the conflict. Oh, that's oh, that it, would man. be good. Like, that's. that's Good conflict is good. interesting and difficult moral mm. choices, which Game of Thrones has, you know, used to no, create I'll tell you what's past. interesting. Ari getting chased by some dumb <laughs> little girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. God, I hated the way. That's actually, I think, the, the problem at the end of the day is that, like, I think the show has lost sight of what made it great. Yeah. Like, it's lost sight of all of that, and it's it's replaced... It's replaced interesting character conflict with spectacle. Mm. Yeah. Like I think that's a very spectacle. good way of saying it. Doesn't, it doesn't like have violence anymore. It has action. And consequently, mm. the spectacle lacks weight. Mm. I mean, Jon Snow coming back from the death, dead. Who cares? Who cares? Like it had no weight. We never if saw the Jon Snow had not had outcome. If instead of him dying and coming back, he'd just like been stabbed a bunch and then been like, oh, I healed up. Yeah. It would be literally would no different. Thing. Like the only purpose was it gave him a reason to leave the Night's Watch. Yeah. That's the only yeah. role it served. Yeah, like, I, I pro- wonder oh, fuck. I wonder sometimes if with Game of Thrones, if they'd 
kind of like cut the fat out. Like say they hadn't had the restrictions and the limitations of the amount of seasons they did. You know, like they and they could just cut the fat and they could be like, look, this isn't this is kind of boring. Let's get rid of this. Let's let's move things around. Like imagine, and I, I kind of wouldn't work for the show because everybody loved Daenerys. But imagine, so you know, like you get Daenerys up to about season two, when Daenerys is like, these are my dragons. Fuck you. And then you just don't see her yeah. until she invades Westeros. And that moment where you're yeah. like, look at that fleet. Look at those yeah. massive dragons. Holy fuck. Then, oh, like, you... so good. I really hope we don't see her until... Because now she's doing that, finally. Yeah. So yeah, I hope we don't see her for, like... Judging by the time frame of the episodes, she'll be in Westeros in the first minutes. Of yeah, no. <laughs> yeah exactly. Judging by how everybody can just flip the fuck about... She'll be in, like, King's yeah, Landing straight well, away. because she's got Tyrion with her as well. So the two most popular characters mm. in the show at the same spot, they're absolutely going to get a ton of screen time that they don't need. Yeah. Yeah. And if we if we could just, like... And then, you know, if you're not focusing your so much time on Daenerys, you've got, like, the opportunity to explore other characters, you know? Maybe you can... I mean, like, I don't know why they didn't do Lady Stoneheart, but if it's like, oh, we didn't have the time, we had other... Yeah, now you can, you know? Yeah. And I also feel like so many characters' arcs ended, and then they were like, and... Oh... We'll get them to do some other stuff, I guess. And now it's like, I mean, yeah, now there's not really, like, you know, it's really streamlined. It's, you know, you've got Cersei's queen, I guess. So there's the Lannisters and like the Tyrrells and the uh, Greyjoys. Mm. And, and what about Euron Greyjoy? He's still Yeah, somewhere? is he coming? Is, is he a is, problem? I thought he was coming to build With the way that the show's Daenerys. been going, I bet they'll meet Danny and, yeah. and they'll, she'll just wipe we'll him out. We'll see a naval battle at some point yeah. in season yeah. seven. They'll just kill it. That's fine. How fuck how, it? How fucking fuck it? That's so indicative of like this, this the last two seasons where it's like they fuck off on their ships and is Euron his name? Euron. Euron is like build boats. And yeah, you're like, I know he will. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, also, trying to build a fleet like that, but he will. Like so, he just gets he gets voted king, and Yara Which is not how still leave work, with the whole crew. I know you like, like oh, with, yeah. the, with the whole fleet. She's like, oh yeah, I know I'm not your king. I know you just like unanimously voted for that guy, and I had like a small amount of people, but I'm gonna take every boat. And then and like, somehow the that's yeah, my small amount of people translates to our entire navy, mm. and we're we only have a navy. We don't have an army. We don't have an air force. I'm pretty sure. But. Yeah. <laughs> See, because what again, like. Not to harp on it. No, we've harped on about the books enough. I'm not apologizing. Um, <laughs> what happens in the books is that Yara tries to become queen and Euron wins. And so Yara is like, oh, she's called Asher in the books. Mm. So Yara goes north and she ends up, her and Theon are currently, because Stannis isn't dead in the books, her and Theon are currently held captive by Stannis. Okay. Um, but basically what happens is that there's another character, Victarion Greyjoy, who is uh, Euron's damn. younger brother. Oh, and Victarion. Victarion Basically, I think, what was it, that like, Euron raped his wife or Euron, something? No, I think Euron had sex with his wife. I don't know if it was rape. So then afterwards, Victorian, because she slept with his brother, she he punches her head in. Yeah, he, he, oh. kills, he kills his wife. That's basically like, his whole it, bit. He just goes around punching people's heads in. And it completely broke him. But the other implication that's like there is that Euron like raped Victorian when they were children hmm. or oh, something like that. Yeah. And so, but basically Victorian has no choice but to like work with his brother who he hates. And Euron sends Victorian to Daenerys yeah. to like- to basically bring Daenerys back to wed him. But Victarion's plan is to turn up to Daenerys, offer her the ships in the same way that Theon and Yara did oh, this okay. season, yeah. and marry Daenerys himself and yeah, then fuck yeah. up his brother. So that's mm. his kind of whole thing. Fuck. So many more so interesting motivations just? than, like, the garbage we got. It's like, like you have great stuff just sitting there and you... Just elected Dawn instead. I know. Who gives like, a fuck uh, about Dawn? Who cares about Dawn? Who cares about Marine? Fuck you. <laughs> 
Who cares about Game of Thrones? <laughs> well, we say that now, but we all know that in a year's time we'll uh, Oh, I'll be watching it with yeah. fucking bells on. Yeah, exactly. I'll be excited the moment it. they show the fucking clockwork Winterfell and there's a yeah. wolf instead of a flayed man. I'll be like, oh yeah. my god, they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> good. Hey, quick question. Yeah. Before we wrap up. Now that now that like so the face trees. Yes. Yeah. That's like the tree man, like if things go like too far, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Like, like if the ants? tree man, you know the tree man. Yeah, 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 yeah. If he's in the tree too long, does he become one of the face trees, like the face tree in Winterfell? I never Maybe? thought about that. Because that's like a tree with a face, and he's like a man in a tree. I don't know. I just that's what I was assuming. Yeah, is that the case? I'm not. I don't really remember it that they, well. They, but... they call them the old gods, and they're like, oh, there's and a lot of magic sort of in them. And I was like, well, there's a lot of to... magic in that lad. And they're kind of linked to the tree man. Yeah, yeah. He, because like, they're absolutely like, see through the heart's trees, touching the yeah. trees. Oh my god, that is so the case. All right. Does that mean every one of those trees has a dude in it? It used to, I imagine, and then the tree and the man become one, but the tree keeps the man face. How would you pick your tree? Like, oh, that one's okay. <laughs> I actually, no, that but Jack, I actually thin. think that's that's totally correct. Yeah. I hope so. I'm I mean, surprised. I always thought that was canon. You got to stick wow. your friend somewhere. Might as Shit, well be I in never, a tree. That never once occurred to me because I just saw him in the tree, and like, and I've been told that in the books. The lad in the tree is like far more in the tree. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah he's he through him. So I figured that eventually. It <laughs> Imagine they told uh, Max von Sindel that is like we're gonna have you like all this makeup. He's like, no, <laughs> I will sit just... down and act in your silly show. <laughs> yeah, make the tree a <laughs> did chair. What, did you see what Ian McShane said? Like when he um. When he spoiled, oh, it's amazing! Like he spoiled some of the show, Mm. or he said that he was going to be responsible for bringing the character back, which was the Hound. Mm. And of course, the internet, being the internet, uh, lost its shit. And Hamish was like, "I don't care." (laughs) Yeah, like because I just don't care. It's just tits and dragons. I don't care about spoiling your show, which I love because you know it's this whole thing with like outrage culture, especially with like you know spoilers and TV shows and things like that, where people just lose their minds and like all someone has to do is respond with. I don't care. Who gives a shit? Like, I do not yeah. care. That's the same thing I with just... um the actor who played Stannis, whose name is escaping me at the moment, but he got, because he's now gone from the show, yeah. which again was real weird that they killed him off screen, but yeah. fine. Sure. Whatever. They, he was like, yeah, I didn't care about any of the stuff I was doing. I was working for my paycheck. I don't give a <laughs> shit about Game of Thrones, guys. That's the best. This was my job. Now I, I have a different it. job. What was it's it like? Fine. I think, well, Harrison Ford said something like about Force Awakens. Somebody asked me, and I'm like, oh, did you get emotional? He goes, no, I got paid. Yeah. <laughs> I was at um, the Melbourne Comic Con a few weeks ago, and Robert Patrick was there. He played the uh, T-1000 in Terminator 2. And someone asked him about what his motivation for the role was. He's like, money. <laughs> like, like, every, like, Shit, he, like he got asked that question a bunch of different ways. Yeah. He's like, there's money, guys. I just like getting paid. It's good to get yeah. paid, guys. Come on That's now. That's great. But yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, like the, I mean, if there, if there was going to be maintenance that could really fix Game of Thrones at this point, it would have to have happened at like the start of season five. Yeah. The fact is the show is still what it is. It's still a juggernaut. It's still huge. We're still going to keep watching. We're still going to keep talking about it. We're still going to keep enjoying it until it eventually ends. And when, if, and when Winds of Winter and Dream of Spring comes out, we can actually, I guess, see the vision as it was meant to be. But in the meantime, I'll take the show to pipe me over. Oh, yeah. Hey, the show will do. Yeah. <laughs> For like, now, it's at, fine. At the end of the day, the show will do. I should think, yeah. That's kind of what I sit with it. It'll do. Yeah. It'll do. I'm fine. And on that note, I've been Gabe. I've been Jackson. I've been Tom. And, uh, oh, what do we say at this point? 
I don't know. Oh, no, it's we like s- the second movie maintenance no. I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> what we normally do, we've been away for a few weeks, our movie maintenance listeners will know. We've got a new studio. This was the first movie maintenance recorded in the new studio, by the way. So we have christened it. We've christened um, it. We've broken it in. But if you want to get in touch with us and talk to us about Game says. of Thrones, this is what happens. You can follow, follow us on Twitter at Sam Spence Radio or individually, I am at Tom Ed Goose. I'm at All Dogs Are Dead. I'm at Goberg Moser. Or you can email us at sandspenceradio at gmail.com. I Champion. think is our no, thing. Or oh, follow us on Facebook. Or Tell just, us what you think. Just go outside Letting and out yell. Let It's great. Yeah, just yell at us. We'll find you. Yeah. It's fine. Good job. Guy. Wicked. Done. Nailed what? it. <laughs> what button do I press? I'll get down Okay. <laughs> I'm always afraid as well. That's yeah, what, not, that's what I do that. too. Guys. Guys. Ah, ah. Ah. push the button. If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.